Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Before I jump into the message, uh, I realized I, Ken had asked me to make an announcement and uh, was not in the um, in our bulletin and the update, so I did not think to uh, a moment ago. Uh, but uh, our uh, youth were gone to camp this past week, and evidently uh, our young people were just so hard on Ken, he can't make it today. Uh, so they're not having youth this evening. Uh, no, that's not really the case. It was a tiring week, but he also uh, drove uh, down some of those going flying out from uh, Charlotte. So he's not had a lot of rest. So they're not going to have youth this evening because he made the trip to Charlotte for the Guatemala uh, group. And I failed to mention that earlier, so uh, I, I apologize. Uh, the, uh, the series that we're in is really designed for us to kind of talk about what life is about. And today we're going to start talking about really what my life is about. And as I said in announcements, earlier, I had planned on it being one Sunday, but then I got an idea of, uh, of having maybe a panel discussion to help with the message today. People that have uh, uh, either been called to ministry or called to go on mission trips and, uh, and have done so or are getting ready to go uh, on a mission trip. So that will be part of the, uh, part of the message uh, today. Um, so uh, anyway, in, in a verse of scripture, uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, guys, just to save time, but a verse of scripture that we've kind of used for um, a foundation for this scripture or for this series uh, is in Ecclesiastes. And in it, uh, Ecclesiastes, if you know anything about it, Solomon's kind of like he's trying to figure out what life is about anyway. And he draws some conclusions and, uh, and everything. And this is some of the conclusions he drew early on. Uh, he said, I applied my heart to seek uh, and to search out by wisdom uh, all that is done under heaven. Uh, and then this is kind of what he thinks, at least at this point. He said, it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. So that's kind of a really downer type uh, definition of life, really negative, kind of depressive. Uh, depressing if you were to think uh, that life is just about uh, us having a bunch of busyness and there's not really any purpose to it and it's all just vanity and it's like trying to chase the wind. You can't really do it anyway. Uh, so that's kind of the, the pretense of this series because a lot of people feel like that about life. They're people that don't uh, do not view life as having a purpose and they're just kind of on cruise control living their lives and they don't see any uh, direction and it's just very confusing to them and they don't even understand uh, maybe what they're here for and, and what life is all about to start with. Uh, two main ways that we've talked about each week that you can uh, attend to figure out life is uh, first of all speculation and speculation is just like a human in their own uh, opinion trying to figure something out. Uh, I, I kind of illustrated that in the last service by talking about a work of art. You've probably maybe been to a museum before. You've seen on TV someone stand back looking at a, a work of art and they're trying to figure out what the artist meant, what the meaning of it was. And uh, that's just speculation unless you really talk to the artist. If you talk to the artist that created it, then that gives you a pretty good idea what the picture or the uh, sculpture or whatever it is is 
about because you're talking to the one that, that made it. Um, one of the, the shows that I watch when I get a chance on, on television is, is American Pickers. Now, I said that earlier and people looked at each other like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that. So some of you are as uh, uh, unholy as I am, I guess. You watch cable TV uh, sometimes and everything. Well, sometimes on American Pickers, if you ever watched it, they're going across the country trying to find, uh, you know, uh, old antiques and things that might be worth something. And, and quite often, they will buy something they have no idea what it is. And they will speculate and have an idea what it is intended for. But then when they go to talk to somebody that really knows about the object, they'll say, no, you completely missed it. That's not what it was made for to start with. Uh, so in other words, if we want to find out what life is about, instead of speculation, instead of us just guessing, uh, we need to talk to the manufacturer. You know, we need to talk to the one that made us. That, that can help us figure out what life is about instead of us just in our own selves trying to speculate what life is about. So that's kind of what this series uh, is about. We, we talked about who, you know, God made us to be. And as we started out on the first Sunday, a couple of images that I put up on the screen, one was of, of this uh, adhesion molecule called laminin. And if you weren't here that Sunday, if you've never heard of it before, uh, you know, I, I, man, I think you ought to talk about this maybe every Sunday all the time. Because uh, laminin, what it is, it, it's an adhesion molecule. In other words, it holds us together. It, it kind of helps our bodies stay together, all the cells to glue to each other. Well, no, Notice what it looks like. You know, it's shaped like a what? Like a cross. So I'm just crazy enough to believe the God that made us did that on purpose, you know, for, for some reason. Uh, and, and then we looked at DNA also because the Bible talks about how God knit us together. And man, you look at a DNA uh, and, and how that structure really looks like something's really knit together and, and woven together. God, God made you. And, and you need to understand that. You're, you're a value. You're important to Him. Uh, why did he make you? Well, the, the Bible clearly says he, he made you to love you. Uh, he, he made you also to love him or worship him in return. And he wants to make you in the image of his son. That's what we talked about last week. Well, part of being in the image of his son also kind of deals with how we live our lives and what we do and what our lives are supposed to be about. So today's just step one in this. We'll have a couple more Sundays talking about what. Uh, and like I said, we'll have some people come up to help me with it in, in a moment. So what really, what are our lives about? Well, I think when we, instead of having speculation, if we use revelation, we will discover this when we look at the Bible. You were made for serving God. You were made for serving God. It, life isn't to be all about yourself. You were literally made for serving God. God had a purpose for your life. He's got some plans for your life. He has some things that he wants you to do. Look, look at this verse in, in Ephesians. It says, for we are his workmanship. He, he made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. He, if, if you're a Christian, he has some things that he really wants your life to be about. And it even tells us this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God had things pre-planned for us before we were ever born that he desires for our lives to be about. I mean, the first one is for you to come to know Christ as your Savior if you don't know him. But having done that, having trusted Christ as your Savior, he, he has some things that he wants you to do. You're his workmanship. 
If you were to go talk to a maybe a, a master craftsman in, in furniture and, and they have built a, a chair, if you were to ask him what the chair is for, what would he tell you? He would have a purpose and a plan for the chair, right? Do you do what with the chair? Set in, unless you're mad and you're throwing it or something like that, you know. The, the purpose is to, to sit in the chair. If you were to go talk to someone that, that makes automobiles, a manufacturer that puts automobiles out, for the most part, unless you're collecting them or whatever, uh, cars are meant for you to do what? To drive. So, so there's a purpose for those things that the manufacturer knows about in advance. And the same thing is true of our lives as Christians. There's a purpose and a plan that God has for our lives. God, God actually wants us to, to serve Him. Jeremiah himself is kind of an example of God pre-planning some things because God looked at the prophet Jeremiah and He told him this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In other words, no surprise, Jeremiah, that you were going to be born. I always knew that you were going to be born, and I had a plan for you. He said, and before you were born, I consecrated you. Notice this, I appointed you a prophet to the nations before you was ever born. God had this plan for Jeremiah. But before you were ever born, God has a plan and a purpose for your lives. He has some, some works for us to do. And the Bible said that he wants us to, to walk in them. He actually wants us to be involved in doing what God planned for us to do. Who God planned for us to be. And if that's true, and I think it is, because that's what the Bible says. I think that also implies this, that we will only truly find fulfillment in our lives when we are fulfilling the purpose that God made us for. Now, I'm not saying you can't find happiness doing things and hobbies and everything like that, but I'm talking about truly, really being fulfilled in your life. If God made you for a purpose, if God made you for serving Him, then if you're not serving Him, and if you're not fulfilling the purpose God has for you, I think it's going to rob you of, of some joy, some fulfillment that, that God wants you to experience in, in your life. A fish is designed to swim in what? Water. It's made to swim. An eagle is given by its creator these wonderfully strong wings to where it can fly and soar in, in the heights of the sky. And it would be a, a, a little bit sad for us to think about, well, the, you know, if, uh, that's a fish, but it never ever found its purpose. It never was put in the water. It never ever fulfilled what it was supposed to do. Or to, or to think about this wonderful eagle how it was made to soar the heights, and yet it... it somehow never fulfilled that purpose, never spread its wings, never went up into the sky. We, we think that's kind of sad, but it's not near as sad as a Christian who God has a purpose and a plan for. And that Christian never finding its water to swim in, that Christian never spreading its wings to soar and fulfill what God planned for that Christian. God has a, a plan for us to serve Him. God made you for a contribution in this world. He, he, he didn't make you just for consumption. God, God wants you to be a contributor, not just a consumer. God wants you to add to life on this earth, not just take from it. He, he's got a plan and a purpose for us. And, and that being said, 
I want to cover three things real quickly, and then, the, then this panel is going to come up and join me. First of all, if you are a Christian, you have been called to serve. If you're a Christian, you've been called to serve. It's not a maybe type situation. It's definite from the Word of God. If you're a Christian, He's called you to serve Him. If you've been saved, He expects you to serve Him. It's not just pastors, not just missionaries. Not just deacons or anything like that. God has called every Christian to serve Him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but, but you are a chosen race. He's writing to believers. A royal priesthood. Now, maybe you've never viewed yourself like that. And I understand it's kind of hard for me to view myself like that. But that's what God says about us. That, that He views us as, as being a, a royal priesthood to, to serve Him, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness. God saved you out of darkness, and, and he's got this purpose for you to proclaim how excellent he is with your life. In 2 Timothy 1.9, the Bible says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works. In other words, God doesn't call us because we're so worthy of being called. It's in spite of who we are, to be honest with you, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. God calls us because of His plan, not because we're so great. He says, I just have to use you. God, out of His unmerited favor, out of His grace also, does not just save us. It's out of His unmerited favor. We don't deserve to be used by God or to serve God. But God has a plan and a purpose, and He wants to use us. And, and He wants us to serve Him, which He gave us in Christ before the ages began. Man, think about that. If you're a Christian, God... In Christ, gave you some things that He wants you to do even before the ages began. You've been, you've been called to serve Him. And that's just a sampling. Man, we could go through the Bible and see it over and over and over again. But not only if you're a Christian, have you been called to serve Him? If you're a Christian, you've been commanded to serve Him. It's not like God makes a suggestion. Well, you know, I want you to do something for me. I want you to serve me. I want you to be my disciple. I want you to go make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It's, it's, it's a commandment. It's not like God says, well, here, I want you to do this, but, you know, if you don't want to do it, it's perfectly fine with me. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verse 19, the second part, verse 19 to 20. You're not your own. You're bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. As a Christian, you don't belong to yourself anymore. Here's why. Jesus paid for you on the cross. He bought you with his shed blood. You don't belong to yourself anymore. So your life is not about you, it's about him. It's about glorifying him with your life. Romans chapter 7, verse 4, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law that through the body of Christ, uh, through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. You belong to Him. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to some legalistic bunch of rules that's causing you to serve Him. You belong to Him. To Him who has been raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. We, we're not to bear fruit for God because we feel constrained by the law. We ought to do it. Because of His mercy, because of His grace, because He saved us. If you're a Christian, you're a command to serve. 
But whoever would be great among you, Jesus looked at his disciples and he, and he said this. They were kind of off to the side having a debate about who was going to be the greatest. And he said, but whoever would be great among you must be. It doesn't say possibly. It says must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Then notice this. He gives us a great illustration. Even as the Son of Man talking about himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to add to that? Look what it says in Philippians. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. Man, that flies in the face of our culture, doesn't it? I mean, be honest. Our culture says look out for number one. Our culture says, you know, live your life for yourself. And yet the Bible says, let each of you Look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And it tells us the mindset that we ought to have, the way we ought to think as believers, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he didn't have to hold on to it. Instead, here's what he did. He made of himself nothing taking on the form of a servant. If the second part of the triune God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would not try and hold on to his glory and who he is. And instead, he made himself a servant. That kindly gives us an example as Christians. That's what we ought to do, doesn't it? That we ought to serve because we've been, we've been called to serve. We've, we've been commanded to serve. But also as a Christian, you should feel compelled to serve. <clears throat> Look at what, there's a little story here about Jesus going to Peter's house. Uh, and by the way, Peter had a mother-in-law. There's some denominations that would try and tell you that, you know, no priest should ever be married or anything like that. But he had a mother-in-law. I'm assuming if he had a mother-in-law, that meant he was married. I don't know you want a mother-in-law just to have one, huh? So, 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 I don't know who said amen, but man... That's pretty bold for a dude to do that because most of you guys are looking like, I'm not going to answer that one. I act like I didn't hear what the preacher said. You know. But but he goes in and he sees Peter's mother-in-law laying there sick with a fever. I mean, you've had a fever, the flu or whatever. You've been sick with a, with a virus and, and you've had a fever. So, so he goes over and he touches her hand and the fever leaves her. Now, now I want you to notice what she does. And she rose and she began to do what? What does it say? Serve him. Can I put that in a context for you that I think ought to be meaningful for us? She had a stinking fever. I mean, it's all. She had a fever. And Jesus touched her and she instantly gets up to serve. I had a lot more than a fever. You had a lot more than a fever. But he has touched our lives. By his grace and his mercy, forgiveness of our sins, given us a hope of heaven for all eternity, be in his presence forever and ever. I had a lot more than a fever. You had a lot more than a fever. And he has touched us. Surely, if we look at the cross of Calvary and all he's done for us, we ought to get up and serve him. Amen. I'm going to invite our panel to come up. And uh, they're going to come up and they're going to kind of tell you who they are and, and maybe some ways that they have, uh, some ways that they have 
served or that they are serving or that they plan to serve. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions and um, I'm going to give them a little bit of a little bit of side and a little bit of side instruction uh, also. And uh, need one more chair. Daryl, there's one over there, I think, behind the stage. Yeah, I've got somebody coming to fill it, though. Remember? <laughs> here, here, here in just a minute. Uh, oh, so we've got one more. Uh, I don't know if we want a picture of Daryl sitting in your lap. We talk about serving God. We'll let that one go. Uh, okay. Um, anyway, the, the reason I, I, I thought of doing this... Um, because, it, I mean, it's one thing for me to preach Scripture, uh, and it's another thing maybe for you to hear in flesh and blood terms how some people felt called to do something and, uh, and, and maybe the process they walked through to do it. And, and I'm hoping this will, will be something that will help you to hear also. Um, and, um, and then I'll come back with a couple of Scriptures and we'll, and, and, and we'll close uh, on it. So uh, to start with, uh, I'm going to let, let John just kind of pass the mic through, and he'll, he'll start out. Most of you know who he is, and Daryl probably because they're on staff. But I want them just to kind of briefly tell uh, you know, who they are and, uh, and, and kind of what they're currently doing. And, and guys, uh, let me give a little bit of instruction. Kind of stay specific a little bit, because last time maybe we answered some of the questions that I was going to ask later on the front side. Uh, on it a little bit. So kind of just briefly go through this time and just kind of tell, uh, you know, who you are and, and some things you've done. And then we'll walk through that a little bit more in the other questions. So, I'm John Lewis, and I'm the worship pastor here. I've been involved in pastoral ministry uh, occupationally for about 12 or 13 years now. Um, before that, I spent a few years doing youth ministry as a lay person. And... Um, and then in college, I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, doing discipleship and worship leading, Bible study, and in high school leading worship and uh, part of the youth group, doing mission trips and that kind of stuff. Um, my name is Lynn Crump, and I'm up here for my personality and good looks. <laughs> Half of that's true. He must believe that because you said it in the first service, <laughs> yeah, too. But go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I've served in, uh, I've been to Africa three times on mission That's primarily when I'm up here, but also led uh, several small groups. My name is Derek Powell, and uh, I've kind of likewise served in a lay ministry since college. I've uh, been on a couple mission trips, uh, and then also some ministry here in the local area with uh, some young men. So, uh, My name is Terry Pearson. This is my first time serving in ministry. Um, I'm going to be serving with Wycliffe Associates, which is um, a Bible translation organization. Um, I will be in Cameroon, Africa uh, for a year um, doing graphic design for them. And by, by the way, just in case I forget to say this later, next Sunday will be Terry's last Sunday with us uh, before she leaves to go. So uh, she'll have more to say next week and play a little video about what she'll be doing and everything like that. So, uh, My name is Zach Griffin, and um, in college is also involved in Campus Crusade for Christ. Woot woot. Um, and uh, led... Um, a group of guys in a Bible study for two years and also discipled or mentored some of those guys. Um, and then I've spent um, about two years serving in a campus ministry um, in China, so um, doing evangelism and discipleship as well as um, some time involved in nonprofit work in Congo. He left an important part out. Uh, he went to college where? Where was it at? UNC Chapel Hill. Amen. I want to get mm. that part in. Okay. All right. Let's go. 
My name is Daryl uh, Triplett. I am uh, associate pastor here at the church. And uh, first uh, week in July, I made uh, my 24th anniversary uh, in full-time Christian ministry and serving God in various ways over the years, uh, okay. one of which, uh, some of which are uh, serving on staff as minister of visitation, minister of education, minister of students, minister of kids. Uh, so I basically tell folks now I'm just a minister of miscellaneous, and I just do whatever needs to be done. And uh, I'm just thankful for the Lord, to the Lord for opportunity to serve. And that's the bottom line. The pastor nailed it on the head. We are here on earth to serve. That's, that's it. Nothing else. Oh, I'll quit preaching. No. You said first week in July was, man, it was for me too. I didn't know that. We've been together all these years and I didn't, didn't know that. So that was when I was called too, first week in July. I was on a mission trip in Logan, West Virginia, uh, in cold country, and uh, talking with kids who never heard the name of Jesus didn't know what Sunday school was. Didn't know what a manger was. And uh, before going on that trip, I really sensed that God was leading me into ministry, full-time Christian ministry, and that trip sealed the deal. And God put all the pieces of the puzzle together while I was there. <clears throat> and so... Let me let me answer the second question because you're kind of on it right now, and then we'll pass the, the mic through. But but the second part of they're just kind of telling you who, who they were right now. But what I want them to talk a moment about is is how first of all, how did you know God wanted you to do something for Him, and um, what, or what made you feel called to serve God in some way? You know, kind of answer answer that. Like I said before, we went on the mission trip there to West Virginia. <clears throat> I had for some time. I was very active in the church that uh, I was at. Sandra and I had already been married uh, for six years. Yeah, six years. Well, she's upstairs. She won't hear it. Six years. <coughs> yeah. We promise you she will. Yeah. We'll get it done. So we've been married six years, and uh, in the church that uh, I'm out of, I was already serving as a deacon and... Uh, Sunday school teacher, and so up until that time, I just you know I just enjoyed serving, just ministering to people and and uh, loving on people in, in in the name of the Lord, and uh, so the the mission trip was really a no brainer, uh, and it was like I said a moment ago, it was through that mission trip that the the pieces of the puzzle come together, and God showed me without a shadow of a doubt that He wanted me to commit. Uh, vocationally to him uh, not just you know sunday morning serving or leading a small group but vocationally uh, and i just i thank the lord for his blessings and how he's met needs over the years okay. um yes i think um kind of growing up in a church um i sort of had an idea that uh if i'm a christian i should probably like serve or something like that or you know go on like a mission trip here and there um it's kind of what you're supposed to do uh i guess so if i want to maintain my status as a christian i should do that um and so i think after my freshman year of college kind of had 
kind of that plan in mind for the summer. I um, kind of had my own ideas of, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go serve somewhere for two weeks. I'll get my little missions checkbox in, and then uh, I can still, like, go chill at the beach all summer because that's really important. Um, and at the same time, I had uh, a good friend of mine, um, someone on staff with Campus Crusade who was kind of my mentor, um, challenging me to spend 11 weeks that summer um, in Florida on a Campus Crusade um, summer project. And uh, my first response was, absolutely not. Except I can't spend 11 weeks down there. I'm going to miss the beach and all these concerts I want to go to and all these other things. And also, that's too big a sacrifice. Um, ultimately, he's incredibly an incredibly convincing man. And so um, I ended up going um, and had one of the most transformational summers of my life. Um, working uh, as a waiter in a restaurant, sharing the gospel with my coworkers, being in um, incredibly vulnerable Christian community. Um, and after that summer, uh, I still had the idea of, oh, maybe next summer I'll go international somewhere because that's kind of still a cool thing and I should do that. Um, and then that whole that following semester I had a class on missions, actually, and spent several weeks just looking at um, uh, the biblical foundation for missions and saw that from cover to cover, um, God's heart is all about the nations. Um, and that from Genesis to Revelation, he intentionally talks about his desire to bring people from every nation to him. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, okay, I shouldn't just go next summer because it's a good idea to do, I should do that because that's at the center of God's heart. And I want to be a part of that. Um, and for me, there was no neon sign that told me to go. Um, I saw God's heart in his word and um, was really challenged with the idea of um, instead of my thinking being, I'm planning on staying here in the States unless I'm specifically called to go. Um, I'm going to plan on going unless I'm specifically called to stay. And so I took a um, step of faith and obedience and chose to go. So. Um, obviously, through reading God's Word, I know that we are all called to serve in some kind of way. Um, and Second Peter verse 10 says that we are to confirm our calling, make every effort to confirm our calling and our election. Um, and so I kind of did that. Um, I've only been saved for maybe two years, um, and I had a strong passion to serve for God. Um, and so, sorry. Um, so instead of waiting around um, just for God to tell me something to do um, and, and waiting for an opportunity to came at, come up, um, I sought um, volunteer opportunities out, um, and I kind of took that first step and God led me where I needed to be. Um, I put a resume in for Wycliffe about a year ago, um, along with a bunch of other stuff. Um, there was nothing really available for me at that time. God closed a lot of doors, um, and he opened some other ones. And um, a few months ago, I got a random phone call from Wycliffe, which is where I applied a year ago. And they had an opportunity for me to be a graphic designer, which is what I actually know how to do. So I'm using a gift that I already have that God has given me, and I'm using it for his glory, um, which is something I honestly never thought I'd be able to do um, because I didn't even graduate college for graphic design. I kind of gave up my last semester um, just because I thought, you know, I was saved during that time, so I kind of just gave up. Like, I don't know what I would do this to do with this to glorify God, so I'm just going to look for something else. Um, and then this happens, um, and, you know, I couldn't have known that if I hadn't walked through those doors. I wouldn't have known which doors he had opened for me and which ones he was going to close if I hadn't actually taken that first step and walked through them. 
Um, and in Acts um, chapter 15 and 16, Paul um, is in Antioch, and he wants to go back to the churches that he previously preached at. Um, that's his plan. That's his desire. That's what he wants to do. Um, so he gives that plan to God, and he goes. He goes back to these churches, and he preaches, and he checks on them, and he just wants to see how they're doing. And he leaves these churches, and these churches are strengthened. Um, he also has a plan to go to Asia and go into this city called Berthenia, I think. And um, the Holy Spirit does not let him go into this city. Um, this is what he wants to do. This is his desire and his plan, but it does not let him go. Instead, that night, he has a vision um, of a Macedonian man who um, is asking for his help to come there. Um, immediately when he wakes up, they go to Macedonia. And after that, after they left, got up and went there, then he knew that that was his calling. It had been confirmed and concluded. So for me, you know, I actually took that step. I did something. I sought out opportunities. Um, one was available. I got a phone call. I said, yes, I gave it to God. I said, here, this is what, you know, has been brought to me. Um, if this is what you want me to do, then you're going to make it happen. Not like you're going to make it happen, but you know, it will happen because of you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, in each step of the way, you know, I'm doing things that I've never done before. I have absolutely no clue about, and God has literally confirmed this plan and everything that I've done. Before um, before Derek goes, let me tie a couple things together uh, on on what she said. First, first service, by the way, she said she was only going to do graphics in Africa, and as she she learned from me uh, saying something about it because she didn't say it uh, this time. But uh, but she's going to do graphics in Africa for Jesus. Amen. So, you know, so you can use, I don't know if you, a lot of you may not have ever thought about that, you can use acquired abilities and talents that, you know, that you have uh, to serve God in some way, if you'll just look at it the right way. You know, there, there, there are talents you have, in, and I'm not talking about spiritual gifts necessarily, but actually acquired things like, you know, learning how to do graphics or, or whatever and, and, and how you can, can do that. Uh, second thing I want you to notice, too, from what she said and even what Daryl was saying, too, it, it, one, we're here to serve. So if we're here to serve, she's walking through doors, you know, intentionally trying to find a way to serve instead of sitting back waiting for, you know, God is speaking out of heaven and brought lights to hit you and everything else and say, go serve, because he's already told us that. So, go ahead. So, uh, just to build off what they've already done, I was uh, serving as a youth minister at the time, and back in Hickory area, and a group of guys who was teaching me a little bit, going to Bible study, they organized a trip to India. And at the time, they're like, hey, you want to go? And I gave the church answer, I'll pray about that. Yeah, leave me alone. Uh, and long story made short, the guy who spent most time with me is a retired drill sergeant from the Marines, and he just cut me dead in my tracks. He's like, what's there to pray about? You're supposed to go. God wants you to go. Well, who are you to tell me what God wants for my life? Um, but thank the Lord that I met him. Thank the Lord he had the uh, brashness, if you will, to speak truth to me. Uh, as a result of that, it's like, well, how do I know God wants me to go? He, start, he put a burden on my heart. He put a burden on my heart to serve more, to go through that door. And I was scared to death. But everything just kept working out. Everything kept lining up. And uh, 
wish I had it before then, but I come to learn um, my short rabbit trail is First Samuel chapter nine. Uh, the God God speaks through the prophet Samuel. He says, "Your first king is going to be Saul," and he tells Saul this, and Saul's like, uh, "You're smoking crack." Go to chapter 10, and Saul comes to the nation of Israel, and he says, all right, it's time to pick a king. And he goes through all the tribes. He picks the lowest tribe, the smallest tribe, the Benjamites, and he gets all the Benjamite families together. And he says, out of all these families, I want this family right here. And he goes through all the males in the family. He goes, you're it, calling out Saul. And it's like, what is Saul doing? He's hiding in the baggage. It literally says he's hiding in the baggage. But see, we have these events in life that God says, I want you to do something. And he puts that burden, that urge, and then there's like a confirmation and things keep happening, things keep lining up. So I felt God's calling in my heart. Things, events kept lining up to it. And I had no way of denying that this is where God wanted me to go. And from that first mission trip, there's been follow-ups. There's been other ministry and my life has forever been changed by it. So, You know, uh, right now before Lynn kind of gives this answer, uh, I'm, I'm adding uh, Mike into the equation uh, because uh, Lynn already told you he's gone to, to Africa. And, uh, and yeah, he's there to manage Lynn and everything. But um, we're, we're talking about how, how did you know that God wanted you to do something for him? So um, in, in talking to, to Lynn the other uh, other day, and he was uh, you know, telling me about Mike having called him and, and asking, well, kind of how can I know? And then he gave him an answer. And then Mike's saying, well, I, I guess I'm going to Africa uh, on it. So I kind of wanted the, maybe them to tell that story a little bit in light of what we're talking about here, about how, you know, God wants you to do something. Sure. <clears throat> um, first of all, I, I, in, in speaking of Africa um, and the burden to go, I think Derek was very, very accurate, at least, for, and also for me to say that circumstances happened to the fact where I couldn't say no. Uh, I, I think for me, I first of all had to recognize, A, that there is a almighty being, there is a God, there is a creator, and if you look at the DNA, there's something there. There's, there is God in control, so it's recognition of that. And second of all, to recognize things don't happen by coincidence. I don't believe things just happen. I don't believe that God introduces people into your life just by happenstance. Just, I think you have to be very astute about who people, who God introduces into your life and to be very aware of circumstances that happen because that's an indication of what's going on. So to that, when we talk about Africa and my trips to Africa, I really didn't have a burden to go. I didn't have this overwhelming desire to know that there's, there's children starving in Africa and there's people dying and going to hell. And I, I didn't have that. What I had going on in my life is this unusual introduction of people that appeared in my life and lived in my home. And it came to the point to where when the opportunity came to go to Africa, to be honest with you, I said no. <laughs> And I said no because I'm wrapped up in my work, I'm wrapped up in playing, I'm wrapped up in my kid's life, I don't have time. My first reaction was no, but when I stepped back and looked at what was going on in my life, I honestly couldn't say no. It was just things don't happen by coincidence. So for me, that, that, that's what really drilled home. And, and every trip I've took, I've taken three trips, the last trip was probably my, my worst struggle because um, I was busier than ever with work. I was busier than ever with my kids. I was busier than ever trying to be involved in a lot of other stuff. And to be honest, I didn't want to go. 
But then when I removed myself a little bit and looked at the circumstances that were happening, the people that were being introduced in my life and the opportunity to serve, and I looked and evaluated that I had no choice but to jump and go. And, and, I, and Zach, I appreciate that statement. I don't know if you guys saw me. I made a note right quick um, that said, I, basically, I'm going to go unless I'm called to stay. And that, to me, was a very, I wrote that down to say, wow, that's a great statement, because that's what I had to do. So for me, that's what that was. And again, uh, as a result, Mike went with us, so I'll let you. I don't use a microphone, but I will. Um, when this idea came into my head to go, uh, thanks to Lynn, uh, he made mention of it and I, I thought, well, you know, that'd be that'd be interesting. Uh be really interesting to do. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, how do I know whether or not it's God saying go or me just wanting to go because it's cool? You know? And so I make the mistake of calling Lynn and asking Lynn's opinion of this, and I'll let Lynn tell you his answer because if you will apply you ask your question, um, it's the only answer that you should go by. I better go back in my memory bank and remember what that answer was. I, I, you know, the, the, go ahead. I, I mean, I was looking for a neon sign. I don't need that. I was looking for a neon sign. You know, God's saying, God's saying, I was looking for the big neon sign saying, hey, Dumpford, go to Africa. Well, there wasn't no sign. There wasn't nothing, you know, coming up out of whatever. So then that's when I went to Lynn, and Lynn gave me this answer. <laughs> you know, first of all, first of all, and, and again, this, I had the, uh, I have the, um, advantage of listening to this morning, because this was a very common theme. Uh, first of all, evaluate it scripturally. Does it fit into the scripture, or more more importantly, is it against scripture? So, if God is calling you, Mike, and, I, and again, when He called me, I had no clue what He was talking about. I had absolutely no clue He was talking about going to Africa. So, I know, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know where He was going. So, to evaluate it scripturally, is it against scripture? If God is calling you to uh, do something that's not, then then it's not God. It's it's you. And then the second thing is, is it going to help people? Is it going to glorify God? Is that happening? Then third of all, and this goes back to your point, Zach, that was a very good statement. If that's true, then jump. If it's not God's will, he'll shut the door. And that was all the advice I could give him, was to say, hey, if it's scriptural, if it if it's glorifies God, it'll help you love other people, then jump and go. And again, if it's not God's will, he'll show you. And then Mike said, I'm going to Africa. <laughs> and said, oh my goodness, that was the wrong answer. But, but I, will, I will give you some firm advice. Once you make that decision, be prepared for the devil um, to come up with 10 million reasons why you shouldn't go. And... Think of it this way, just, just because there's a stumbling block or there's something 
I don't mean the door's shut. When the door's shut, the door's shut. It ain't happening. You know? So... You know, uh, John's John's going to give his take on on that also. But uh, you you guys don't have the same perspective. I mean, vantage point that I do. And uh, when you see this big burly guy like Mike up here, and you see him talking about going on a trip, and and, and he's trying to keep it from happening, but I see moisture slipping out of the corner of his eyes up here. Yeah. <laughs> I buy my guns from him too, <laughs> but uh, but 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 anyway, I mean that just I, I mean that blesses me to see you know to see God do that. So, um, as for me, how how I knew uh, God wanted me to do something for Him, I guess you know when I was when I was in high school, um, I was actually involved in in ministry before I was saved. It was kind of interesting. Some of you have heard me tell this, but a friend from school invited me to a Bible study that was happening in an elderly woman's attic on Thursday nights. And she said, by the way, we love music. Bring your guitar. And I said, okay, opportunity to play music. I'm, I'm down. So I took my guitar and tried to follow along with whatever they were singing and, and, and figure out what fit and what key they were in and all that sort of thing. And sometimes they went across several, but in the same song. And <clears throat> that was always interesting. But, but the point is, before long, I was actually leading the music at the Bible study. So functionally speaking, I was leading worship uh, even then before I was saved, which was kind of interesting. Um, but you know, I guess in the process of of coming to Christ and getting and being discipled uh, at, in that place, um, between between uh, that and the church youth group I was active in at the time, they it, it was kind of something that that was a part of the culture of what what that lady taught us was that if we belong to Christ, if we're a Christian, then then we should act like it. There are things that, that belong in our lives and things that don't belong in our lives. And I think that we, we live in a day of, I mean, quite honestly, uh, cheap grace and a cheap gospel that gets uh, a lot of information gets passed off as the gospel. And, and there's more to the gospel than uh, Jesus died because he loves you and he wants to forgive you and let you go to heaven. Um, there, there's some things that go along with that. And, and, the Scripture, as Lynn said earlier, the Scripture actually commands it. And so one of the things that was inherent in the teaching I got in that Bible study was if you lost, there are certain things that you shouldn't be doing anymore because you should act like you belong in that family. And there are certain things you should be doing because you should act like you belong in that family. Not that our salvation is based on our works. Um, not, not that uh, the righteousness that I should have is all my own effort. Uh, but at the very least... I should be willing to say, hey, this is what God said, and I guess I need to straighten my act up a little bit. So there's a need for righteousness to be lived out in our lives and applied to our lives. And and that was just part of what was taught to me as a new believer, and, and I didn't ever think there was any other option. I thought that if you belong to Christ, then you have to serve God, whatever that means, and, and figure that out. And I, I struggled like everybody else to figure out what He was wanting me to, to do, but... 
but it, there wasn't ever a question in my mind that I should. So I guess that's really how I knew was uh, I was told. <laughs> um. The, the next question, and, and, and they've kind of already answered it, but I'm going to see if anyone wants to say anything in addition. How do you evaluate if it's God calling you to do something? And, and I'm going to kind of give you a summary of, of, of what I've heard them say and see if you didn't hear that. One, is it in the Scriptures? You know, uh, is God saying it through the Bible and you're not violating the, the Scriptures? And I think secondly, I'll kind of pack together a couple of things they said. Is, is it for His glory? You know. I mean, is it beyond just something neat you'd like to do? And because I know Lynn wrestled with that some because of him liking excitement and everything like that. Tell him to jump off a bridge; he's ready to do it because he thinks it's a cool thing to do. So you know, going to Africa, the bush. And so, but, but is it is, you know is it uh, is it about you or is it really about him and for his glory? Uh, anything anything other than that? That's kind of a summary. Daryl, you have anything to add, or anybody have anything to add to to that? I know you didn't get to be with us the first service, or. Come on, yeah. Um It's kind of like this is something that I've kind of over the years of like um, kind of being involved in ministry, and people are always asking the question of calling and what are you called to do. And something that I've kind of a way I've heard it put, kind of very succinctly, um, that's been really helpful for me is that um, a good way to think about your calling is where your um, abilities or skills or desires or the things that you get fulfillment from. Um, where those things intersect with the world's greatest need. Um, and if you think about it that way, if there's, um, there's needs all around us, um, each of us have different skills and abilities and desires. Um, and so when the place where those things, the things that we can do and enjoy doing, intersect the need around us is a good way to think about where your calling is. So. Yeah. Anybody else? Do you have anything to um, I agree with with Zach, and I think that's probably the most basic level for for us is just to realize that He created us all uniquely, and so there are going to be some things that He created you to do that that He didn't equip anybody else for. So so keep that in mind and understand that He's not gonna He's not gonna waste any experiences. For me, I spent a lot of years uh, playing in rock bands and things like that, and and I find it interesting that when I felt called to ministry, I thought I had. Um, just a handful of options. I thought I, I had to be the the preacher, um, or I had to be a minister of music, which meant handbell, organ, and choir, uh, or the youth pastor, or a foreign missionary. And I didn't see myself fitting into the preacher role or the handbell choir thing, um, or foreign missions. So I thought, well, it must be youth ministry. So that's where I started out. Um, but, but you see, what God's had me doing for the past 12 years has utilized every bit of what I did playing secular music, uh, for so many years. And, and so God doesn't waste any of those experiences. But I think in addition to that, uh, there are times that God calls us to do things that we're not necessarily naturally gifted at. He called Moses to speak and go in front of Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses said, I can't even speak plain. And so God gave him a different person to be his mouthpiece, but he made Moses the leader. Um, and, and there's examples of that throughout Scripture where God calls people in spite of their inability, and, and actually sometimes I think because of it, because he uses our weakness to prove to us and everybody else that it's really him doing it. 
uh, in and through us. So that that's important. And and this is a little. I, I would like to take credit for for writing this or coming up with this, but I can't. Um, but years ago, trying to figure out the Lord's will for my life, these are some things that I learned. There's three aspects to God's will. Um, one is His moral will, and that's what everybody's been saying about. Does it line up with the Word of God? There's certain things that you you can look in the Word and you know uh, God says this is wrong, so it's not part of His will for you. You know, it's not part of His will for you to leave your spouse and go mar- get married to this other person because uh, his, his, um, his word says otherwise. So you can't look at that and say, oh, well, God, it's God's will for me to be with this other person even though I'm married to this person over here. That's not the way God works. His word says otherwise, so you're, you're, you're just wrong about it. You know? And it, the same thing is true about a, a numerous other topics in Scripture. But we know God's moral will because it's written in His word. Um, the next is God's sovereign will. Uh, there are certain things, and I think this is what Lynn and, and, and Zach were getting at, that if, if we go forward to do it and, and God doesn't want us to do it, he'll close the door. There, there are some things that no matter what you do, you're going to end up there. Take Jonah, for instance. In, in, in the Scripture, Jonah, God said, go to Nineveh. I'm sending you to Nineveh. Jonah goes the opposite direction, gets on a boat, going as far away from Nineveh as he can go, running from God. And what does God do? He ends up putting Jonah in the circumstances where he ends up in the belly of a fish for four days, and then he gets spit out on land. And where does he get spit out? In Nineveh. Okay, so there was nothing Jonah could do that was going to keep him from going to Nineveh. No matter how hard he ran, God was going to make sure he ended up in Nineveh because that was part of God's sovereign will. So you can't stop God's sovereign will. I think the place where we struggle all the time is with God's permissive will. And that's what these guys are getting at. Lynn said, does it glorify God? Is there anything in Scripture that tells you you should or shouldn't do this? And then ultimately, you know, it, it may just be a place where God's given you a choice. And so whether or not to serve in VBS, God may not write it in the sky in a neon sign or send you an email or, you know, all those things that you, that you, that you wish he would do, you know, and say, hey, God, just tell me step by step what process I should follow. He says, you know, look, you have permission. The, the number one thing is don't violate my, my moral will and uh, seek to glorify me, and I think the rest of it will fall in place. So uh, I just thought I'd share that because for me that, that really helped me to evaluate a lot of things to keep in mind there's the moral will, the sovereign will, and the permissive will. And when, you're, when it's the area of the permissive will, then, then it's a matter of who you're seeking to glorify. So. Yeah, so the, so the invitation I kind of feel like might be like this then, a lot of what John just said. Do what God tells you to start with, you might wind up being puked up by a whale somewhere. Uh, so it would be a nicer trip to have done it to start with, you know, uh, I, I, I think. But um, uh, I, I'm going to change things up a little bit for you guys from what we did uh, at the end of the second service because... Um, we're, I'm going to read the scriptures in just a minute to close with, and then they'll do a song. But I want you to I want you to bow your heads first, and then I'm going to add some some things to it, and then we'll do the invitation. But bow, bow your head to begin with, because I want these on stage also to be looking with me. I want you to bow your head, and and honestly, if if you already know right now specifically, you think there's something that God is calling you to do that maybe you've been wrestling with some. 
uh, would would you raise your hand and, and just raise your hand, hold it there uh, for a minute. No one looking around except us. I want these guys to be praying for you because you know where they've, they've been through and the steps they've been through. So guys, if you would look around and kind of see these that we need to pray for, I appreciate you being honest and raising your hand. You're saying specifically you think there's something that God's wanting you wanting you to do uh, on it. Now, now uh, thank you. You can put your hands down. Instead of just specifically, generally, you may be thinking, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like I don't know exactly what it is, but I kind of feel like God's wanting me to do something, and you'd want them to remember you in prayer also. Would you raise your hand up and just say, you, you might not know what it is, but you feel like God's wanting you to do something? Just raise your hand, hold it there, and keep it there for a moment, please, and and everything. Okay. Uh, I, I appreciate you guys uh, doing that. And um, the if you would look back up, and I'm going to read a couple of scriptures on the screen, and then, uh, and I'm actually going to have these except for John, because he'll be leading uh, in, in the invitation song. But I have the rest of these just standing at the front as we do the invitation song in just a moment. And you may feel led to come and pray for them or thank them for how they've served in some way. Uh, you may feel led to come and tell Daryl, you need help in vacation Bible school, or you need to help with children's ministry or volunteer in some other way. You might need to come and tell him that, uh, you know, during, during the invitation time. Uh, you may need to come up and, and, uh, and ask some of these to pray for you you know, uh, about something, because they'll be here at the front. Uh, you, you may need to come up during the invitation, maybe, and, and, and pray especially for Terry, since she's getting ready to leave us and be gone for, for, for a year um, and, and everything. Uh, her boyfriend, Kyle, sitting on the front, she left him out of the equation uh, a little bit in this service. First service, she looked at him and talked about how she's going to be hating to leave him and leave everybody and everything like that. And I said, don't say a whole lot, you're going to make this big guy cry, you know, down here at the front. But she is. She's getting ready to go away, and that will be hard. You know, be hard for them, hard for her. So she needs your prayers. Next Sunday, we'll kind of be praying over her to send her off. And she'll be sharing a little bit more about what she's doing along with what I share uh, uh, next Sunday uh, also. But maybe you still this week need to come up and and pray for her uh, during the invitation time. And she's getting ready to go to Africa. You might need to come up and say, here's some money. uh, Because she's raised the money she needs to get there, but not the money she needs to stay on the field uh, all year. So maybe you need to do that during the invitation. But I want you to look at uh, at these scriptures real quick. Uh, Jesus, uh, the, the Bible tells us this, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you uh, wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. In other words, quit living just for yourself. Uh, take up your cross and follow me. Look at the way the New Living Translation puts the last part of that. Uh, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. On it. So the, the point is we need to be willing to set our lives aside for the life that he wants us to have uh, also. Um, we're, we're told this in 1 Corinthians. Uh, for just as the body is, is one and has many members, talking about our physical body, and, and all our members of the body, uh, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's saying the body of Christ, the church, is like our physical bodies. It, it's one body, Jesus the head. We make up the body of Christ. But in order for us to be effective, we need all of our members functioning. Just like I would be a little bit uh, handicapped, you know, so to speak, if I didn't have use of my leg or or use of one hand or whatever. So the church, I'm afraid, a lot of times is handicapped because we don't have everybody doing what they're called to do uh, and, and serving in the capacity that they should. And he even says, now you're, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So each one of you who are Christians, there's a place where you fit in as, as the body of Christ. 
Um, I read something earlier, and I, I thought it was that because of his trip to, to China uh, when I found it this week. But there's some, uh, some of the churches in China welcome new believers by telling them this. Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to hear with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. That's what they tell new believers. Uh, and, and then the story, some of you might have heard me tell this story before, but years, uh, years ago during World War II, there's a village, I think it was England, I didn't read the story again, but I think it was a village in England, they had a lot of bombing taking place, and that village had a statue of Jesus kind of in the town square, and during one of the bombings, they came out after the bombing was over with, and they noticed the, the statue had been damaged, and it did not have any hands anymore, so there's a statue of Jesus without hands. They're having a town meeting trying to decide what to do. You know, do we build a new statue? Do we just replace the hands? Somebody came up with this idea. Let's not do anything. Let's put a sign on the statue that says, He has no hands but yours. So my question for you today, will you be the hands of Jesus? Will you be His hands, His feet, His, his voice? Will you serve Him in the capacity that He wants you to serve? Let's pray. Father, God, we ask you to uh, speak to us with clarity right now. Lord, help us to see it's not about hearing thunder from heaven or flash of lights or God, whatever. But you, you've clearly called us in your word to serve you. And our lives as Christians need to be about that. Father, there's someone here that doesn't know Christ. Help them make the decision to come to Jesus today because you so love them that he died on the cross. But Father, those of us that, that know you already, and, and maybe we're still finding our way, maybe we don't know exactly what it is you want us to do. But God, help us to be moldable. Help, help us to listen. Help us to, to be willing to serve you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, there's a, a quote that I want to read to you right before we start the invitation. And, and it's, a, it's a quote from Rick Warren. And the quote says this, What matters is not simply the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. It's not how long you've lived, but how you lived. And we need to be more concerned about the donation we make in our life than just how long we live. So I'm going to ask these to be here at the front. If you need to come and pray with them or ask them to pray for you or if you need to come having questions about what it means to trust Christ, we, we invite you to come as they stand across the front. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.